Welcome to Inside the Director's Circle and this episode on Sales is a Science. I'm Jason Langford-Brown, your host, founder of the Director's Circle and practicing business advisor and coaching psychologist. Sales often is one of the hardest things for leaders. We get lots of conversations about how do I really understand how this function works? How do I really understand the people? It can often be seen as difficult, although often great at delivering the sales numbers. Um, but the truth is, it is a science. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is how you can understand that science to cut through some of this myth. So as always, we want to add some expertise to the subject. So I'm delighted to welcome one of our knowledge partners, Mike Ball, the sales cat, uh, and for me, probably the, the best sales scientist there is. Um, Mike is the CEO and lead advisor from Sales Shift. Uh, Mike and I have worked together for many years. So Mike's going to uh, I'm sure add some great insight into this subject. And just very quickly, before we get into the discussion, remember this is just a snippet of what happens in the Director's Circle. So if you want to get more involved and get more insights, come and join us at directors-circle.com and click join the community button. So to get into the conversation, um, I, I think as I was just saying, sales is a science. Um, I remember, Mike, when um, you told me a story of about a business leader, a CEO that uh, was having a few challenges with his business, and he knocked on the sales office door, looked in and went, I'm not really sure what goes on in here. That all looks a bit too hard. Um, it seems like a bit of a black art. The salespeople seem a bit like mythical beasts. I think I'll just close the door, go down to operations, see if I can drive some, some process efficiencies, talk to my finance team, see if I can save some money. And that just seemed like a much easier way to try and work on his improvements. But as we said, sales is a science. So probably great to start this conversation to, today by saying, you know, what the hell is this science of sales? <laughs> yeah, g'day, Jason. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, I have that image in the mind of even him opening the door of the sales office on that mezzanine level in a factory. And he's, he's walked through all the robotics. He's done everything lean. <laughs> and then he opens the door and, he, yeah, no, I can't do that. I'll just go back to my office and see what else I can work on, like more robotics. Because sales... He doesn't know what to do. There, there is no guidebook. There's no game book. Um, there's no, there's, you know, especially in this part of the world, there's no university. There's no sales management degree. There's no rigour. If you go onto Google and punch in sales strategy, there's nothing, which is astonishing. Um, so, you know, we've sales has come from this very organic place, and I wrote about this in my book, Sales Shift. It's, it, it, for most businesses, it's quite organic. You know, we build a brand and offer and then we, you know, put it to market and we put salespeople to it and, and hope for the best. But at some stage, we've got to, you know, create some sophistication in that that thinking. And I guess, as you know, what we've tried to pioneer is, well, let, well let's bring some science to this. There is sales systems. There is sales process. And we know it makes a difference when we have a documented and well-followed sales process. We know there is sales strategy. There is go-to-market strategy. We know we've got to bring sales and marketing under the one tent and get them to work together. Never more than today, um, you know, trying to get cut through. So I guess it's it's really bringing a level of sophistication to a market that's never really had that. Now, don't get me wrong. There are businesses that you and I both know, like Xerox and Apple and other businesses that have quite sophisticated sales systems, some of the big pharmaceuticals and that. So they'd be sitting here listening to that and going, yeah, we've got this. But that they're in the minority in my experience. If we're talking about our mid-sized customers and some of our bigger customers, they're, they're just playing with organics and then wonder why they don't get the results. So I think whatever we can do to add that science, and as you and I, it's a simple science. It's not a complex science. It's actually quite simple. Uh, but we've, we've just got to bring it to the game now because the, there's never been so much pressure on sales. 
than there is today, sort of post COVID. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I think it's, it, it, I think you're right. I think the, you know, there are some very set pieces, as you and I know, We've worked on this together for probably for ten years now. Um, I always remember you talking about the mechanics and the dynamics, which I'm going to come back to in a second. But I just wanted to pick up on you, you talked about having a process and a system. Uh, it still astounds me that every time I have a group of sales directors in a room and you talked about not many are doing it right. And I think I think you are right, because um, I have 30 in a room and I ask people, to, you know, can you show me your process and can you show me it populated with current activity? If I get two or three, I'm, it's a good day. Um, so, you know, for me, I think I, th- I know I've shared this story with you, whether I've shared it with other people. Process was is absolutely great for sales management because, you know, you can see what the hell's going on and what's happening and where people are at. But even as a salesperson, when I was taught process, and I was quite fortunate to get good training back in the day, it was almost it was game changing for me. I think it saved my. You've got different stories about what saved saved your sales career, but for me, process was was what saved my career because it gave me a roadmap of where I was, where I needed to go next, what steps were towards the end. Um, yeah. So you know, what's what's your notion on process, and um, you know, why is it so difficult for people to, to to understand it and to have one? Well, again, again, you've, the leaders often these of just don't understand the sales line, so they stray away from it. I don't think they stop and take that time to map it out. And what's what's incredible, I think also a lot of the people, good salespeople know it intuitively. They know the steps to follow because they've repeated and done it, and so now they've got like a sixth sense around it. Um, but that they're in the minority. Of course, they're the high performance. And you know, sales and salesmanship is an independent job. It's a it's a it's a sole trader job. It's uh, you've got to be out there in the world, you know, pressing the flesh with customers. So um, it, it's not they're not big at sharing. <laughs> so they don't often share this stuff and their wins and all that sort of stuff. And more importantly, they don't share their losses because they don't want to admit them. So we get this insulation around sales process and it never gets out of the closet of the sales cats. So whenever I go into business, I try and open doors and closets and try and find it. And generally I go to the I say to the owners, who's the star here? Who's the sales cat? And they go, oh, it's Jack over here. All right, let me spend a day with him because we'll work it out pretty quickly because he'll know it. Then once we get a map, we can look at wins and losses and, hello, there's patterns. When we have wins, the same things are repeated. When we have losses, we skip steps. You know, it's it's... It's no different to an emergency department at a hospital. Think shit goes wrong in a hospital when people skip steps under pressure. So it, we know that sales teams with a documented, well-followed sales system and process are about 21% more profitable. We've seen the research on this. Yeah. So you yeah. have to get it on the wall. And the way we do it really quickly is just process maps, sticky notes, just get a couple of salespeople together. And we just do a couple of wins. They'll talk about the wins. They're proud. And you just go, well, where did it all start? Oh, he picked up the phone. This happened. This happened. Where'd it go? And then I go, oh, that's interesting. Let's do a couple more wins. Again, you see the patterns. All right, let's do a couple of losses. Oh, hello. <laughs> we skipped. What happened yeah. there? Well, the step. Oh, I, I didn't see it before, but now I can see it. So, uh, you know, you've got to get it right because that's where the science starts to build. You build processes, you know. You flip that into advancement. We flip that into pipeline, and suddenly, you, as a sales leader, you've got something to manage. It drives me ballistic, Jason. I go to these companies, and they want to do more activity reporting, diaries, CRM, blah blah blah. No, no. Let's just work the pipeline. If you're a very competent sales manager, the pipeline should tell you everything if it's based on your sales process. 
And of absolutely. course, the, the DRM implement, Im, implementation goes absolutely pear-shaped because they start with the software, not the process. So I, I think yeah. that's, uh, you know. Yeah, but gee, it, you, know, you can tell the subject I really love. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm, I'm fighting now because I do this as well, Mike, you, you know, and uh, I'm just, I'm fighting not to, you and I are making this a therapy session for our frustration <laughs> around sales process. Um, but um, because it is so, it, for me, it is so pivotal because everything else we're going to talk about in a second, you know, you can pin to it. But there's a couple of bits and you, you, you mentioned that I want to pick out because I thought they were really important. I think you're right. I mean, just get it built. Um, and, and get it up on the wall and it, how you do it, whether you use spreadsheets, whether you use sticky notes, whether you stick it in a CRM system, but you've got to get it up there and seen. And But I think the point you, you picked up on that people might not have, might not have understood was flipping from a, a chain of activity into it's a, it evolves into a process of advancement. So there's, there, there, there's stages that, that tell us we are moving towards the end and, the, and then the activity drives that rather than the activity being the process. And I think the, bit, the other bit you talked about was the whole win-lose um, for me, my big frustration is this kind of this eternal kind of use of words like conversion rates and probability, which are complete nonsense. It just tells me you have no idea of your process. Um, yeah. What you want to know is, is did we win or did we lose? And if we, you know, if we won, we got to the end. And if we didn't, where did it stop or fall out? And I think that's that's probably something for people to really think about: is do we know when we're losing? Um, and then you know, you can evolve and you can learn from that. Teams, they put, oh, that deal's 50% or 60% or 75%. Based on what? What's the criteria? Yeah. yeah. Process allows us yeah. to go to advancement, which then we can manage, coach, and lead lead indicators. The, let, let the scoreboard take care of itself. The lag indicators, the result, you know, if you get lead indicators right, the advancement in the sales process, the steps, and we manage that and coach that and refine the behaviours in that, the, the result will take care of itself. It's just a fate complete. But what, Absolutely. if we wait for the result and then go, oh, we didn't get the result, wonder what happened. Well, it's too late. I see this, this happens all the time. They, they, they call us in to go, we've got a problem with sales. Well, it's a little bit late because you're not even tracking what they should have been doing. So where is the data? So data is going to become a, a critical part here of sales systems. Yeah. And this is the st- and this is where the data comes from, isn't it? You're right, and uh, you know, not just stopping your salespeople wasting time going to the end when they're not going to win, um, but you know, I say as well, if you've got it right, you can you can pin it to your sales forecasting because, of course, sales forecasting is where the, the FD and the CEO get excited, and your process yeah. should really just flip straight. You've talked about flipping it into pipeline, flipping it into forecasting. Um, it's all I think for me almost impossible to have meaningful sales forecasting without a good solid sales process you know what happens my little ceo on his mezzanine floor looking for the answers of the door that he can't open what does he do automatically i'll buy some software i'll go and buy a pipelining software oh that's a good idea it's like fire ready aim really how about we yeah. do aim ready fire how about we work Absolutely. out what's going on here and then automate it with software um you know i've been in the software business i know how this works um so yeah. Uh, we've just got to avoid that temptation to try and find a silver bullet for sales because you don't know. Uh, really important. Yeah, great, that's great advice, Mike. I think for me, I've got a number of clients that started with software and have ended up pulling their process out of the software in the end. Or by I have got others that have got it in their software, but actually they started the other way around. They built it manually and then they put put it into the software based on what they needed rather than the software was the 
was the pipeline. Okay, so I'm going to move I'm moving away from process because we could talk about process all day. Um, but I think you're right. It is, it is a foundation of, of the science. So let's let's kind of get back into these other pieces. Now, I, I mentioned mechanics dynamics that I know is a language that you use a lot. Can, can we talk, give people some kind of sense of what the mechanics and dynamics are around this science that would sit inside the process? Well, and I think this is potentially where some of the the disaster in sales and sales development and especially sales training has happened. As you know, we use um, the integral model by uh, Ken Wilber and we, that looks at mindset, skill set, tool set, culture. So if you look at the one side of the stuff we can measure, uh, skill set and tool set, pipelines, sales skills, questioning skills, all that sort of stuff, develop sales skills and technique. But on the other side, you've got the top corner, you've got mindset and then you've got culture. And, and what we did is we sort of used the model and put sales over the top of the integral change model. We said, well, what's the sales mindset got to be? What's the sales skill set got to be? What's the sales tool set? What's therefore the sales culture? And in brackets, it's got leadership there. And I guess that's where the science starts to spin out of. But you think about it, you know, every, every call we get is, Mike, we need sales shift, we need you for sales training. And you know our response to this is like, why? You know, is, have you got a skills problem? Well, yeah, we think so. Are you sure? Um, and so what we tend to focus on, and historically what we've done is if we build better skills in these people, well, then we'll get the total result in sales we'll turn sales around. But what if they don't feel any good? Remembering sales has a massive side to feelings. You know, it, I, I, talk, I do conferences and I stand out there and go, you know, what's your conversion rate, people? And they go, 20%. Right, wow. So the rest of your time in your job, 80% of it, you're failing. It's just constant failure. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Oh, we're distraught. You know, they're, they're devastated. They're gutted. They're frustrated. They're worn out. This is why salespeople don't get over sort of 60 because they're gutted by the time they get there. <laughs> so, so you think about it, we, do we manage the whole person that comes to a sales role? So for me, if all we do is do the skills, we're missing three-quarters of the person and the mindset of a salesperson, what they believe and as we move deeper into advisory selling, beliefs matter. If you know, you've got to be sort of the dumbest person in the room to get the problem solving right with a customer to do true advisory. Well, are you, are you okay with that? How do you feel? But then, what's the culture of sales? If you drop down to the next, like, what, do we like sales? You and I go into businesses where they think sales is like some dark demon in the back office. You know, don't go to them. You know, and what do they do all day? They just drink coffee and sit on the beach. You know, it's just there's a lot of myths in that with sales. And we've, you know, we're a bit to blame for that. We've lacked the sophistication and science and therefore professionalism uh, in our industry and as a trade and a craft, um, and we haven't developed ourselves well enough. So um, we're sort of a bit to blame. But we've got to think about this whole model. We cannot just think about skills and tools. Because that's, in my experience, that you're only dealing with not even half the problem uh, in sales leadership, especially. No, I think you're right, Mike. I think when we're working with sales functions, you know, we're I'm with you. I often say the more the more mature the groups are, the more the more mindset we're doing as well, because they always want to start with the skills and the tools, because it's kind of easy. I understand it. Um, yeah. But you know, once you've got those, and it, you know, as you said, it's other than the let's call them soft skills for want of a better word. Um, you know, there's not much more you need to learn. It is, about, it is about how you apply it and it is about the mindset is how you, you know, you self-sabotage yourself for that, that kind of language. So uh, I, I totally agree. And- I'm not denying skills are important and we, we always at some stage do. But a classic example, why do skills of salespeople before you develop coaching skills of your sales leaders? 
So you do the sales training and they're not able to coach it. What was the point? This is why I think, you know, 90% of sales training that's done is a total waste of time and money because it's not done in connection with the other bits. Yeah, and I think that's a message. It's a message here, isn't it, Mike, for the people listening? It's uh, yeah, you do, people do need the skills. Give them the tools, but if you're not if you're not working on that mindset continually and making sure, as you say, the environment that they're, that they're that they're living in within the business is supporting the sales effort, you know, whether you call it sales prevention or, or anything else, then well, it's, you and I know from rugby or from AFL in my part of the world, you know, the crazy yeah. game. The coaches say all the time, you hear it all the time, the game's played predominantly above the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, so in the head, absolutely. Get them into the drills in the game book, but it's actually the bit that comes together at a final or a premiership or a Premier League title is when you bring the main players with their right belief system into a game. And well, that's we're coaching the mindset of high performance in sport. Like, so. Do we just do skills in sport? No. No, absolutely. Sports psychology, you know, is, is huge now. And so, so I think, Mike, for me, the message on this one is really, um, you know, you've got to get that foundational skill in there. But then it's right. I, you know, if, if you, you know, if, the, if people are thinking about self-training, it's like get the foundational stuff in there. But it's kind of stop the two day or two or one week away days. Um, do do it more often, but for less time. So you continually, you know, like you say, refining, sharpening the saw getting the people's mindset right. And I think probably segues then into the fact that actually, as you said, the sales leaders should be coaching and developing that continually as well, like the coach on the side of the pitch. I'll give you I'll give you a model for it. You know, we talk about, we don't do training, we do learning. We create learning programs. So you think about if a sales rep goes five times a day to a sales calls, there's a classroom five times a day. If he does it five times a week, that's 25 classrooms a week. If he does it 52 weeks, that's 13,000 minutes of schoolwork. See, but we wait for training. Why? We're already doing the activity of selling. What if you added a minute to every one of those activities and said, what did I learn? What would I do next time? Suddenly you create this massive learning movement. So a big corporate I'm working with out here, a global corporate, we've just got a learning factory going. So I've just turned their game. Their game is learning every day because they're doing the activity. Let's just turn it into learning. Like don't wait for a training. Don't wait for a classroom to do this. You're doing the classroom every day. You're in the field. So we've had to switch that sort of learning paradigm. Learning's done to us. Uh, Training's done to us. Learning's done by us. It's a very absolutely. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great message, Mike, and completely agree with that. And I think it's probably again we talked about activity in the process not being what it's really about. It's again having leaders that are not just going, "Have you done your calls? Have you done your meetings? You know, did you get out of bed early enough? You know, where were you on Friday afternoon?" It's a different challenge, isn't it, for sales leaders to be you know looking at the, looking at the people, you know, challenging those behaviours, challenging those skills, helping them develop those skills and behaviours. Yeah. For, for me, that for me, that's often the biggest challenge in, a, in trying to improve a sales environment more than actually the salespeople themselves. Yeah, you know, my wife says to me, you 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 do sales consulting, sales advisory, coaching, and strategic planning, but ninety percent of your work is psychology. I go, yeah, probably. I'm mucking with their yeah. brains all the time because I, I need them to perform. And I'm saying that I'm not sitting here just as you know as a consultant. I'm a virtual sales manager of three companies. So I'm, I've got sales reports in front of me now. So I'm not saying the mechanics aren't important and you've got to have them, but we've got to get balance in both. We're safe in mechanics because we can trust it, we can see it, it's tangible. We shy away from the fluffy stuff and how people are feeling because we're not comfortable in coaching it. So our science in coaching is not good enough. Um, we, As you know, we do a lot of work with leaders here around coaching dynamics. 
um, you know, coaching process, using the coach at habit and, you know, uh, Bill Campbell's model, you know, the trillionaire coach, fantastic model. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so just coaching massive in this science, I think. So just, uh, just I mean, to finish on this, Mike, I mean, f- you and I have coached sales leaders for that exact reason. Um, so would you be advising people listening to this that they should be, you know, their sales leaders should be being taught to be able to coach and, you know, what else do you think are the key things that they need to make, ensure their sales leaders are capable of if they're going to lead in a, in a truly uh, effective sales environment? So I'll answer the first question. Do they need to be taught coaching? It's a very easy you just say to the, I say to these sales leaders, how much formal professional training have you had as a coach? It, Jason, if I want to go and coach the AFL here and I've coached at a high junior level, you've got to go through mm-hmm. accreditation with the AFL, do days of training, blah, 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 learn how to be a coach. So you just don't stand on a football field and rant and rave, which most people do. Uh, the other thing is the, the tools and techniques of coaching. You know, we, we've got a great saying that uh, coaching without a structure is just a chat. Anyone can have a chat. You go to the pub for that, right, and good luck with it. But what we introduce is structures and the coaching matrix and all those sort of, and then also some modelling around some of the style tools, you know, some of the diagnostic tools that we use so we understand who we're coaching. The third point I make, a coach and a leader has got to know how to lead themselves first before they apply coaching. I see the big trap they they don't know who they are and then they try and change the behaviours and motivations of others when they actually don't know what motivates themselves. So what's their own vision? What's their own trophy? What's their own winning look like? What's their own success? So I do a lot of work with coaches to finalise that and I find that they're much more confident when they go and coach others on goal setting, successful selling, blah, blah, blah. It's sort of, you know, you're, you're, you're preaching as you're walking sort of thing. Yeah, well, it's it's hard. You know, it's hard to be a leader if you don't know how to lead yourself, and it's you know, hard to be a coach if you don't know <laughs> if you don't know the fundamentals of yourself. Yeah. You haven't got that levels of self awareness. I think that's 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 a, that's that's a great advice, yeah. Mike. So, so Mike, I think just just to wrap up today, um, people people wanting to get on that self science journey. What would you say would be the first three things they ought to think about to to really start to put some science around uh, their sales function in the organisation? Well, well. The first thing we do, and we all, I've got three killer questions, if you like. Do, do you have a business strategy? Now, I know that's, let's call that, let's call that 1A. <laughs> 1A, yeah. do you have a, a business strategy? Because if you don't have a business strategy, if you don't have a common goal vision with a set of strategic imperatives, then I'm, I'm coming in putting my sales manager's hat, which is what I do when I'm advising. You're telling me I've got your sales team, you're paying me a, ton of money to be your sales manager, but you can't tell me where we're going, what mountain we're climbing. Hang on a minute. Can you can we back this back up a little bit? So that, that's that first thing. And so I assume everyone listening to this has got one of them. Big assumption, I know. Then you've got a current <laughs> strategy. But like what is our sales strategy? What is our go-to-market strategy? How do we win? What does success look like? And I love, I often put around sales strategy to that winning context. What is winning? And it'll be a sales result, sure. It'll be a GP, it'll be a margin, blah, blah, blah. It'll be units moved. But winning says, should we win this? Can we win this? Do we want to win this? So suddenly you get this richness around strategic thinking around success in sales. Then I guess the third thing that I'd put in place is set a strong sales process linked to eventually to pipeline, 
and then to sales management in that order. So it'd be easy to say, let's set the sales management structure. But in actual fact, if you're developing business, you've already got an organic sales process. It's no one's just documented it. Well, let's put it up on the wall and have a think about it and then apply sales management to it. So this is the trap. If you apply sales management early, what are you managing? You're managing just result. It's not enough. But if you apply it afterwards, suddenly you create the mechanism for pure coaching. And I think that that's when it all starts to come together for me. So there's sort of a secret. Yeah, I, I put a business one in there because there's no point in kicking off if the business does nothing it wants to do. I, I wouldn't argue with any of that, Mike. And I think I think maybe just you know, for me to add to that is uh, absolutely business strategy. And, you know, your point about people may have noticed about at, the, at the start of the podcast where you said this, you know, you Google sales strategy and you find nothing. Well, I did that a couple of years ago, um, even though I've been doing this for a long time like you. And um, I've done some work on it since. But the, the reality is it's just um, it's just a sales interpretation of the business strategy, you know, that, and you mentioned go to market. I think there's two things is that the sales is just the selling bit of the overall business strategy. But also you mentioned go to market strategy. The, the marketing and sales strategy are actually combined. They work ha- hand in glove, don't they? So I think that's another thing people have to think about. I, you know, lots, lots of um, going back to the, you know, over 100 years ago, you know, marketing and sales weren't separate functions. They were the same function. We spent 100 years separating them. And I think I see most of the most successful sales teams now actually the, 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 those functions are joined back together again and they're working hand in glove so ah, that's and it's a nice bookend to what we're talking about because marketing developed science marketing developed rigor they develop a university degree they they went to university and you know i blame the sales industry really dropped the ball on this and we're part of it i'm not shying away from yeah. it and what you and i've tried to do is bring that sophistication and that science where it's sadly lacking so you absolutely know, so we're fighting sort of town hall all the time because we well that's our that's our lot. So I think anyone listening to this is in sales. We, you have a vested interest to raise the profile and professionalism of the craft we love. I love selling. I love everything about it. But geez, we've dropped the ball on it, and we yeah. we need to get some sophistication and science in there. I think I think that's a great that is a great wrap up to this, Mike. Um, you're right. I think that's why you and I know there is a science because it is a profession. It always was a profession. We seem to have done a great job of deprofessionalizing it, but uh, it looks like it's coming back. But I think that's probably something for people to take as, as CEOs, MDs, directors of businesses is if it isn't seen as a profession in, in your business, you probably have, that's probably a good gauge as to you have a problem. Um, once you get that back, um, things start to move quite quickly. So Mike, I'm just conscious of time. Sorry, can I tell you a quick story? I'll, I'll, give, you, no, I'll give you the last word. I'll give you the last word always. I, I work with a big corporate and I walked in one day and they, I said, I'll give you your sales process and your sales strategy. And I walked in and I dumped this big document on the table, like 200 pages. And they said, what's that? I said, it's your sales process. I said, what? And they started flicking through it. What I'd taken was a context document, which was their safety policy. And I exchanged the word safety for sales and just reprinted the cover. And it was a trick. I was playing a game. And I said, imagine if we played as much, as much focus and commitment to safety, uh, to sales as we did to safety. We'd probably change our results. <laughs> and they're going, hang on, you tricked us. I said, yeah, sorry. And I had to take it off the table. But imagine, imagine if we gave some sales some of the priority we give other parts of the business. Like we just, we just don't. And yet we want to grow and change results. It's bizarre. So anyway. It is crazy. But but as you said, it is it, it isn't it isn't a black art. So um, hopefully we've given people a few pointers as to how they can start to unpick that and get to that point. Um, but 
Mike, thank you as always. Great, great speaking to you. Um, good news is that Mike will be joining us in our next episode where we'll be talking about virtual and uh, social selling um, and trying to bust a few myths around that subject. Um, but if you want more info on, on the subject we've been talking about today, reach out to us at directors-circle.com. Uh, Mike's always available to speak to at sales-shift.com um, or you can speak to lucid-group.com who are one of our knowledge partners that work with Mike on the sales shift journey. So until we speak next time, thank you again uh, for listening to Inside the Director's Circle. Thank you.